Good afternoon, good evening, good morning to everybody who is listening. My name is Marty Plum, and welcome to the third episode of A Pen and a Napkin, your weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. I am really excited to have our guest on for this episode. Uh, his name is Kevin Sheaf, the boys basketball coach at Wahoo Public High School in Wahoo, Nebraska. Very, very excited to have him on here today. Uh, before we get going, though, we want to recognize our sponsor for this episode. Our sponsor is COSAC Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive, which for you Omahans, that is just off 144th and Maple. Dr. Kevin and Dr. Heidi are there for all of your chiropractic needs, and they are the absolute best. They have been my personal chiropractors for almost 15 years, and they have always treated me like royalty. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at COSACchiro.com, or you, to make an appointment, give them a call at 402-964-0300. And be sure to tell them that you heard about COSAC Chiropractic, Chiropractic from A Pen and a Napkin. Also, follow us on Twitter at A Pen and a Napkin. We try to have uh, daily coaching tidbits on A Pen and a Napkin on the Twitter page, so be sure to follow us there. Also, coaches, be sure to Go on your Spotify or iTunes account, download this and all of our uh, A Pen and a Napkin podcasts, and also, if you could, please rate this five stars so that we can get the word out, gain momentum and ratings, so that we as coaches can help out as many other coaches to build and educate themselves on their craft of coaching. If you have any questions, you can also email us at the pod, uh, napkin at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions or questions that you would like to have answered on the pod, please don't hesitate to reach out to us, and we'll do our best to address it in future pods with future guests. But we are going to get today's podcast going here with Kevin Sheaf, the boys basketball coach at Wahoo Public High School. Coach, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, Marty. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's I, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, taking a little bit of a leap of faith here, just being the third guest. Uh you know, and, and for me, uh, being a former girls coach, I, I've got a ton of people that I can contact as far as girls high school basketball coaches, uh, but my coach's uh, boys pool is not as deep, and so I appreciate you coming on and, and helping us out here. So um, we want to jump right into this. Coach Sheaf has had a tremendously successful career, uh, 31 years in coaching, uh, nine years at David City Aquinas, uh, a place that both you and I hold dearly in our hearts, uh, me for different reasons than probably you do, uh, because that's where my wife went to high school. So, And uh, this will be your 19th year at Wahoo Pub, Coach? That is correct. All right. Um, 464 wins, 206 losses, 11 state tournament appearances, three runner-up, three state championships. Just a tremendous, tremendous career for you, Coach, and, and congratulations on, on all that you've done and, and all that you will be accomplishing here as, as you continue to go along. So um, we'll just get started with, uh, you know, for those of you or for, for our listeners that don't know a lot about you, uh, just kind of your background, uh, where you come from, uh, how you got into coaching, uh, just those basic uh, questions there to get everything started here. Well, I, 
grew up in, in Waverly, Nebraska, not too far away, so I've never ventured too far out. Mm-hmm. Um, a suburb of I, Ashland, Nebraska. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as a young kid, uh, graduating high school, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I uh, remember working some camps at Waverly. Uh, I had some coaches, football and basketball, that I remained close with, and they asked me to come back and, and, and help uh, with some of the camps, and it was something I really enjoyed doing, and I think that really planted the seed for me as, uh, you know, I thought, hey, this is something I'd really like to continue doing, working with kids and gave me a chance to stay in athletics and uh, getting into the teaching as well. It's, it's, it's been a terrific uh, career, and I, I can't imagine, you know, having done anything else. Okay. Um, so you you get your first job at uh, Shickley High School, uh, the Shickley School System, and then you end up at uh, David City Aquinas, where you're the head the head coach there for nine years. Uh, what was uh, kind of the keys for you? Uh, obviously, you were a young coach when you became a head coach at Aquinas. There, um, what uh, what were some of the um, keys for you as as you developed your coaching philosophy? Uh, your uh, how you wanted your program to function, so forth and so on. What are some some things that you focused on during that time period? Well, I think like any young coach, you, you kind of learn from the school of hard knocks, and uh, you know there was plenty of those early on. Um, my first year at Shickley, I was a middle school coach, coached both boys and girls in middle school, and was fortunate enough to to get the the head basketball job. You know, my my second year there. And, our third year, we, we had a, a pretty good team and uh, were able to make the state tournament, which I think opened, you know, the, the door to get to uh, to David City Aquinas. And, um, you know, just uh, fortunate to have a, a lot of good kids uh, play for me. Um, as, as when you're an early coach, I think the best thing you can do is try and find, you know, those mentors, people you look up to, people you respect, and, and try to pick their brain. And, and certainly I, I had a lot of people, and I was never – uh, shy about reaching out to people and trying to, you know, gain wisdom from them. Had, you know, was never ever turned down once. Uh, had a lot of coaches that were great to me, shared things with me, and and I know now as a veteran coach, I I'm trying to return that and help out younger coaches, and I, I truly feel honored when they do reach out and, and you know and want to talk some basketball with me. Well, your your track record has shown that that you're in that case you're a great listener, and then you've applied those. Uh, You've applied those lessons well. Um, what was the uh, what was the decision making process for you uh, to leave a, a very good situation at Aquinas to to go to Wahoo? You know, my my uh, oldest son was just about to start kindergarten, and uh, my wife Jody and I we we lived in Wahoo, and I was driving back and forth to David City because Jody was working in Omaha. Uh-huh. And I was, I was truly, really happy at Aquinas and could have envisioned staying there a long time. But the, the more we started thinking about, you know, how this was going to work with the family in Wahoo, it, it wasn't very realistic for me to drive my kids back and forth with me to David City each day. They were probably going to go to school in Wahoo. So, you know, it starts to come about, okay, I'm someday either going to have to probably give up coaching or miss an awful lot of my kids' activities. And uh, it was right about that time the Wahoo job came open and, and we talked a lot about it. And, weighed the pros and cons and decided to, you know, to go after the job, was fortunate enough to get it. And, uh, even though I had lots and lots of mixed emotions about leaving Davis City Aquinas, uh, it was a great place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, had, have had 19 terrific years at Wahoo. Uh, Wahoo's a great community. It's a great school. And, uh, 
still very fortunate every day that I that I get to work there. Did you? Uh, I mean, Wahoo had the the great run in the in the late '80s and and early '90s. Um, you know, the hundred what was it, hundred and four or hundred and hundred and eleven? Hundred fourteen. Hundred fourteen. This is yeah. why I, this is why I teach history and not math. So, um, and, uh, you know, state championships and you go into the gym there and, uh, you see the banners there. Um, was that a little bit intimidating coming into that situation and, and knowing the expectations? Uh, I mean, you, you put enough pressure on yourself, obviously we, we all do. Uh, but, uh, based on the, you know, it's, it's kind of that it could be a little bit of a blessing, but it also can be a little bit of a curse. Uh, to to step into that situation, did you have those those kind of feelings at all? Oh no question. I, I was I was I was very nervous. I mean, I I didn't want to be the guy that came in there and, and messed things up because Wahoo had had man such a great run under Coach Anderson and Coach Watt continued it on. And uh, I I took some beatings at Aquinas uh, from both of those uh, over the years in the nineties. Uh, so I knew how you know important basketball was to the school and the community and. And then certainly there was, you know, I was motivated by fear because I didn't want to be the guy to, to, to let this down and to, you know, to have the program go the other way. And and I think some of that fear is healthy. I think it's, you know, some of it motivated me to, to work really hard and, you know, to continue to try to grow as a coach. And um, but, but in the end, I, I was really fortunate to have a, a lot of great kids in school. And that, that was ultimately the reason, you know, that success has, has carried on over the years. Uh, absolutely. Um what uh you know you you kind of live in the the thick of it you experience it and you've been part of it for a long time here but describe if it's possible to describe the rivalry between Wahoo Newman and and Wahoo Pub and and what are what are those nights like for you uh as a coach uh because i think that's uh, there's a lot of great rivalries in high school sports in Nebraska and, and in Iowa and everywhere, uh, but I think this is probably one of the best ones the, the, in any class in the state. You know, you hit it on the head. It is a, a tremendous rivalry. I mean, two schools with incredibly proud tradition, and, you know, athletics are very important to, to both schools. Um, I can tell you when you lose that game, it's about as painful as anything you experience in the, in the coaching realm. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's one you don't want to lose. And, you know, a lot of fans would be happy. Uh, we always joke about would be happy, you know, going one in 19 if that one win was over them, yeah. you know, so, uh, not complete, not completely true, but, but I would say this, I think our two schools have spurred each other on to greater heights. Yeah. Um, when you have a really good team just cross town, you know, a mile away like we do, uh, you know, you pay attention to what they're doing. You, you know what they've got coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think our kids and, and our families know that, you know, we've got to we've got to match that if we want to have success, you know, against them. And uh, it, it, it's been a great rivalry. They've certainly, uh, you know, gotten the better of us over since I've been there in the 19 years, which, you know, not not happy about. But. You know, I, I think it's also spurred us to a 
to a lot of success. And it's interesting for the first year this year in my time at Wahoo, we won't have to get through each other district time as we move up to class B. So that's going to be a little interesting. Coach Weiss and I were joking about the other day that after our holiday tournament on, I think, December 28th, you know, we won't have to sit and worry about what the other team is doing. And, and, and that part will be a little bit re- refreshing to have, you know, somebody else to really worry about. You know, I was just going to say, um, you were talking about losing to them and how, you know, you feel like, you know, you feel like crap the next day or whatever after you lose mm-hmm. that. But in your guys' situation with everything, with the way everything's set up, um, you're going to play them again next week anyway because it seems like you guys play each other about a, you know 50 times every season in, in every sport because of the way districts and sub-districts. And then you know a lot of times uh, you guys have ended up playing each, each other in the state tournament in various activities. Um, you know, I know at least once and maybe twice the girls have matched up in the state championship game together. Um, yeah. You know... So, you know, you, you've not only not only is it a great rivalry, uh, but it's sometimes three and, and even four times a year you have this knockdown drag out fight with with the school that's only a mile away, you know, and uh, that's that's a unique situation. Yeah, it is. Like I said, it's when you win those games, you're on top of the world. And, and when you don't, you know, they're they're kind of crushing. But. Again, I, th- I think overall, in the long run, it's it's done so much for for our our school and our program uh, because again, that's who you set set your sights for, and that's what that's what you know you got to go beat. Mm-hmm. You brought up something, and just uh, real quick, I wasn't anticipating, or I, I hadn't even thought about asking you this, but you guys talked, or you just mentioned moving up to Class B um, as a longtime coach in Nebraska. Um, there's been a lot of changes, and and I think most of them have been good changes, in my opinion. But here you are, a school that has traditionally competed at the the C one level. And for our folks that are listening in Iowa, that's you know about class two A or a small class three A school. And now you're moving up into class B. You know, uh, how how do you feel about that? And just kind of the changes in general. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely a new challenge, and and there's certainly some some mixed emotions about it. Uh, we're excited about some new challenges of, you know, playing some, some different people. We're going to be joining a new conference a year from now. Um, I, I do think, you know, being at the top of enrollment in C1 has certainly been an advantage for us and being at the bottom, you know, while it doesn't doom you, you know, it, it sometimes it makes it tougher if you're playing in schools, you know, two or three times bigger than you. But uh, I also think, you know, we look forward to that challenge and, and we can take a, a look at a school like Aurora who is, traditionally been at the bottom of B and enrollment have done extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've, we've just got to go to work, keep working hard and keep trying to get better. And uh, like I said, we're, we're looking toward and embracing that new challenge. Of the, of the high profile sports, you know, football, baseball, basketball, um, basketball is probably the easiest one to compete in. Um, don't you think? I mean, if you get three or four dudes, you can, kind of compete with about anybody, whereas football is a lot about attrition. Uh, baseball is a lot about pitching depth and things like that. Whereas basketball, if, you, if you've got three or four guys that can really play, you can play with about anybody, don't you think? I, I think that's true. I, I think it, it is easier to compete you know, in, in basketball than, say, it would be football. And our football program, I don't think, is going to go to B because of how the NSA, you know, does yeah. account in football. But mm-hmm. uh, bas- 
basketball looks like we we stay we will stay be I think and interestingly enough I, I think our girls are C1 this year and they're going to continue to stay C1 because for whatever reason in our school we kind of have an imbalance of, of quite a few more boys and girls but uh, just kind of an interesting dynamic and since since the NSA split the enrollment for boys and girls now you've got some teams that are playing in different classes well Linda's not very good at math either you know so. <laughs> You know, I, I wouldn't trust her with those numbers anyway. So, um, I'm just kidding. Um, you got the opportunity to coach uh, two of your sons um, throughout their careers. Um, describe what that was like. Um, just kind of the the feelings, the emotions, uh, the ups and downs of that. Because I know uh, a lot of our coaches that are listening are probably going to be in the same situation as as you were uh so what are some like i said you know your experiences uh pieces of advice now having gone through it and having some perspective with it uh you know what what would you tell uh coaches that are going through that same situation you know i I would say that overall um been an amazing experience um not gonna lie though there were some really tough nights you know along the way overall the good far far outweighed the bad um I think especially with my oldest son, Ben, I, I pressured him too much. And being a, you know, first-time father, I just, you know, sometimes you just don't have a very good grasp of, of things, you know, and you're, you're trying too hard. I, I think I'm doing a better job coaching Trey, my youngest, who will be a senior this year, as far as just not being on him so hard and maybe not putting that kind of kind of pressure on him. Um my oldest two, Ben and Jake, we, we enjoyed a lot of success. They had some great teammates uh, with them. So, we, you know, we had some really, really great times. And I've got the Hang State, you know, championship medals around all three boys, which is, is very, very special. I mean, that's that's just a memory that, you know, will be with me forever. And it's very cool. But there were some nights where we were awfully mad at each other. And my <laughs> wife might be mad at, at me, you know, for – whether, you know, didn't handle the kids as well as you thought I should have, you know. So, you are never going to win that one with the wife. Nope, you're nope. not. So, nope. you know, it's, it hasn't been all easy, but I, I wouldn't change it for, for anything. You've, you've, you've been on a, a, a great run, similar, you know, we talked about the run that Wahoo had in the, the late 80s and the early 90s here. In, you know, in the last uh, seven seasons, you've had three runner-up and, and two state championships. Um What's what do you think has been kind of some of the biggest keys to, you know, peaking at the at the right time for your program? You know, I don't know. That's a great question. I think if any coach knew that answer, he could make a lot of money, you know, selling books and, and whatever. Um, well, don't tell like, don't tell anybody, and then you and I will write the book, <laughs> and then we'll supplement that lavish teaching lifestyle that we have. So there, there you go. <laughs> That's always your goal to peak at the right time to, to say that you know how to do it. I, I, I don't think anybody's completely truthful if they say that. Um, you know, we, we, we try to work all year long towards, you know, getting a little bit better each day. Try to peak at the end. Try to keep them fresh in February, both mentally and, and physically. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know there's any great secret. Such a big piece of it is staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of years we've been really fortunate to stay healthy and then this last year uh, came state tournament time we didn't and so things didn't end up quite like we wanted but uh, and, you know things things go in cycles too well, when I got to Wahoo they were coming out so many good years and uh, we had some good years you know from, from 02 to 
about 08, but we, we were only able to get to state one time for whatever reason. We, we just weren't able to get it done. Part of that was having, uh, you know, Bishop Newman in, in our district. And then we had a few kind of mediocre years. And then really about 2011 on, things have just kind of clicked. And we've had a lot of good kids and enjoyed a lot of success. So um, it, it's certainly more about the kids that you have in your program and the development they've made as use as it, as it really is anything that I do you know, throughout the season. Yeah. Well, that gets us to our Don Meyer quote of the day. Our, our loyal listeners know that, uh, you know, about halfway through here or ish, you know, at, at some point we're going to throw out a quote from, uh, Don Meyer, um, my own personal coaching hero. And I think, you know, as I, as I picked this one out, it really fit the, the attitude of, of your program and, and uh, you know, what you guys have been able to accomplish. So the Don Meyer quote of the day is successful programs consist of people working hard, working together while never worrying about who gets the credit. And to me, that sounds a lot like what you guys have been able to build there at, at Wahoo public uh, and, and the, the success that you guys have had. Yeah. Uh, that's what you're always hoping for. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on Coach Meyer. That guy was really, really good. I watched a lot of his videos over the year and years and heard him at every clinic I had a chance to. And when he's talking, I couldn't, you know, write fast enough. He was he was an amazing person and an amazing coach. Uh, so I, I love the quotes from him. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, I got, to, I got to meet him one time. And I... I I can't tell you how badly I was shaking. I was a younger coach. I was, I don't know, 32-ish. And um, it was up at Northern State. He had his free coaches clinic up there. And mm-hmm. and uh, the boys coach at the time at Scott uh, invited me to go up there with him. I was like, oh, yeah, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just kind of 24 hours, you know, all access to everything that he did within his program. And, um, it was, it was absolutely awesome. And, um, I think what made him so unique is he was just so, uh, willing to give so much away, uh, his knowledge and his, uh, wisdom to the game. Um, and he, and he, you know, he didn't care who you were, if you were a junior high coach from, you know, uh, wherever, or if you were the most high, accomplished high school coach in the United States, uh, he, he treated everybody the same. I thought, which was really unique about him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I always wanted to get up to his academy up at Northern State. And never did make it, but, boy, I took every chance I could to, to, you know, hear him speak when he was in the area. Yeah, so, well, let's, uh, Coach, let's let's get a little bit more, uh, you know, into the nuts and bolts of your program and your philosophy and, and what you, you try to do there. Um, I'm going to lead with this. And, and here's why. Um, my two previous guests said, I don't want to touch that topic with a 10-foot pole. And you highlighted it. So I don't know if it's you or it's them. Uh, but uh, And in one of them, uh, with Coach Raggi, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Uh, but one of the things that you talked about, and I think it's something that we as, as coaches deal with, uh, you know, from from time to time, especially if you do it long enough, you're going to to have to uh, 
adjust to it. Uh, communicating um, and having relationships uh, with with both your parents of your players and then also uh, your administrators and the people that you'll work for. Uh, so I wanted to start on that with you here today. Um, you know, what what are some things that you do? We'll start with, with parents. And what are some things that you feel like you guys have done well uh, to communicate with parents? Obviously, it's a competitive situation and everybody loves their kid a little bit more than everybody else's kid, um, you know, that type of thing. Um, what what are some things that you guys have done to to uh, to to communicate with folks like that? Interesting, you were, you're talking about this. My second son just started his first year of teaching and coaching at Logan View, so we've been having lots of conversations, and a lot of it centers on this. Um, you have to find a way to deal effectively with parents, and I, and I think it's about building relationships. And I've. I've got a number of coaching friends who have been very successful that, you know, want to keep parents at arm's length away. I guess for me, that's not really my personality. I, I enjoy visiting with people. I think it's important uh, to develop those relationships early on with them. And I, I, I try to do it at a young age. You know, I, I think it's really important. I get out and try to watch a lot of our youth, our Wahoops teams play. I'll try to go up and visit with parents and, and try to start building those relationships at that time. I, I guess I always felt like if I, you know, if they get to know me a little bit, I, I hope maybe they, they like me a little bit. <laughs> maybe that will cut me a little bit of slack when they're, you know, not agreeing with my, you know, choices of play calling or who's getting playing time or starting, uh -huh. you know, those types of things. Cause, Give cause, you the benefit <laughs> of the doubt a little bit. Well, yeah, you know, you hope you maybe you've earned some goodwill over the time. Uh, to help buffer that a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, again, I don't shy away from talking with parents. I'll visit with them. I'll visit with them, you know, about things uh, during the season. You know, if it's not in a threatening manner, I'll be glad to let them know, here's what I was thinking. Now, my, my choice didn't work out very well, but here's why I made that. Mm -hmm. I think if you can do those things sometimes, that maybe can help them see at least – maybe why you did what you did, even if it didn't work out successfully. And, um, you know, I, I think the other piece of dealing with parents is dealing with the kids and, and myself and our staff. I think we work really, really hard to try to build good relationships with our kids. And I think if you got that, that helps at home, you know, if the, the parents are frustrated with you. And, but, you know, if the kid doesn't like you, then it's easy for things to go downhill in a hurry. But I think if, if the kid has your back a little bit, you know, and we always talk about having each other's back on, on that, then I think maybe, you know, there's not, that's, that, that storm's not going to get ruined quite as hard, you know? So mm -hmm. it's just, I think goes back to how you treat people and how you talk to people and just trying to build as many positive relationships along the way as you can. Do you think being in a, in a smaller town, um, you know, for those of you that don't know our listeners, uh, Wahoo is about what four thousand people, um, yeah. right around that. Um, do you think that's more important as opposed to, you know, like myself when when I was coaching, I could be in public for literally weeks, whether it's going to the grocery store, going to the Target, going to the mall, and not run into a player or a parent. Whereas in a in a small community like Wahoo, um, that's that's a lot harder to do. You know, so do you think that's kind of shaped part of that philosophy as well? You know, I think so. No, I don't have the experience of working at Omaha or Lincoln, so I'm not quite sure how that works there. Um, 
but I know in our community and in David city is similar in size, you know, you're going to see people all the time, whether it's out to eat or the grocery store, you know, whatever it is. And I think my philosophy really got shaped kind of early at Aquinas. Um, Aquinas is a very tight knit community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there was a, a Thomas's Tavern was downtown, and uh, <laughs> they would serve some of the best burgers and fries. Absolutely. And our AD, Ron Mimic, who's an unbelievable football coach, said, you know, we all we all kind of go down there after games, and, you know, it wasn't just the coaches, it's the parents, they'd come down, and we'd, we'd sit and talk and rehash, and mm-hmm. I, I guess I always just felt like that benefited me to, to make those relationships there, and that just kind of has continued on with me over the years because like you say in these smaller towns you're going to see them a lot and hopefully you're you know able to have a lot of positive interactions with them talk about uh uh you know kind of if if communicating with parents is 1a communicating with your administration is 1b in a lot of a lot of scenarios um you know what are some things that you do uh in communicating with your administrations or you have done to kind of you know make sure everybody's on the same page yeah, you know, and again, that goes it goes back to relationships. But I will say that through all my years, I've never had a bad administrator. I've never had one I didn't like, and I've heard a lot of horror stories from other coaches and other places. And I think I've just been really, really fortunate to have great people around me, um, or, or people that I've worked for, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think doing whatever you can to help make their job easier is is really important. You know, just and if there's a situation that comes up, I think that the lines of communication got to be really open with them. And you kind of give them a heads up ahead of time that, hey, this person or this parent, you know, they might be talking to you. They're not very happy right now. You know, those things happen. So kind of keeping them, you know, up on everything so they don't get blindsided, I think is really important. I think just, you know, helping to carry out their wishes, you know, having your team act in the right way and, you know, do the right things is, is really important. You know, if they've got a bunch of trouble, a bunch of fire, they've got to try to head off, you know, that doesn't, doesn't make them happy. And I know at our place, especially like give you an example, like when we, when our C team or freshman team plays, you know, I always tell our AD, Hey, I'm going to be at the game. You, you go home, go spend some time with your family, you know? And I think little things like that, they appreciate, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, just trying to help them. Cause you know, man, I'm going to need, need their, you know, support when, when things don't go well. So uh, just working together as one, I think is really, really important to have with your administration. Yeah, I think that was, you know, um, it, it's difficult to have those preemptive conversations with your administrators, you know, uh, but I think you, you do try to do that. You, you know, like you said, you know, hey, um, here's what I'm thinking. You know, we thought, Jimmy was going to do this, but now Billy's playing better than him, and Jimmy's probably going to see some playing time diminish here, and Jimmy's mom and dad probably aren't going to be too thrilled about that, and you might hear some some chirping from there. And and those type of conversations, I think, go a long way, don't you think? No, without question. You know, again, just talking on a regular basis, and again, I'm fortunate. My, my AD and my principal are in my building, you know, see them all the time. We, we visit about everything, so... I don't think they're ever, you know, getting blindsided because they don't know what's what's going on, which is really important, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, Coach, I think that's a great piece of advice, especially for our younger coaches and, and you know, realizing how important it is to keep those lines of communication open. Um, 
if you don't have that, all the X's and O's that you can draw up really don't matter, do they? Without question, no. They those are those really are pretty secondary to you know. It doesn't matter how good you are with those X's and O's if you can't handle all the other things that go along with being a coach. So let's move on here. Um, another, you know, uh, obviously with the, the success of not only your, your basketball program, but you guys have had success in, in other activities. Um, the weight room plays a big part in that. Can you uh, describe what you guys do as far as as weight room and explosion and just, just general development of athletes at, at your school and within your program? Yeah, definitely. And, and again, the size of the school changes everything. I know at a Class A school, you got too many kids to get everybody in at the same time. And I, I, I have some friends in Class A that will talk about the frustrations they have of getting kids into the weight room. Here at Wahoo, like in the summer, uh, all of our kids, all of our teams live together, boys, girls. Um, they're all at the same time doing the same program. Uh, Robert Berry, our athletic director, played uh, football in Nebraska. Um, he's kind of brought some of the, the ideas, and, and he just loves the weight room. He's got a passion for it. He, he's brought a lot of the ideas and the, the trainings from there, and it, it's something we all do together. And all of our coaches are on the same page as far as getting them in and, uh, you know, what, what we want to do in the weight room. You know, the, the fall and the spring, again, if if they're in a fall sport or a spring sport, then I, then I let them be. I don't, I don't worry about them. But if they're not in a sport, then we're going to get in the weight room, you know, two or three times a week and then in the spring and, and in the fall and try to push them to, to do those things. And, uh, our weight room is open, you know, before school, it's open after school. Uh, we have a couple strength and fitness classes they can, they can uh, lift in. So we just feel like it's imperative that, you know, we're making good use of the weight room and, and spend some time in there to get better. Cause the, the physical part of it is, is such an important piece. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, um, how do you guys handle, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, well, maybe not that word. I'm not going to use that word. I'm not going to tell you what that word that was because I don't want to put that word out there. Um, how do you how do you handle uh, situations where uh, maybe there is a disagreement between coaches on uh, I really don't want this kid doing this for you at this time, maybe with like weight room or just the general sharing of athletes. Uh, in your situation you know that has been really really minimal uh again going back our coaches are good about leaving each other's kids alone within their season uh i I said this last week talking to some friends uh chad fox is our football coach and i have the utmost respect for him he does a great job i'd consider him a close friend of mine and i think part of the reason we've had success and part of the reason i've just enjoyed wahoo so much is that he and i work so well together Uh, take for example in the summer uh june is my month july is his month you know Mm -hmm. so so we're not putting kids in bad situations where we're both asking them to do something at the same time and and again this is probably a little bit more of a a smaller town thing it's probably not as easy to to do it because you're in class a school in omaha but uh i just think our coaches work really well together and and really try to always put the students uh best interest in mind and, and I think we got coaches that aren't selfish and only worried about just their sport and I think it's played a huge role in us having success across the board I and mean, we've had success in almost every sport on a pretty 
regular basis. It's not like it's just one one thing that we're successful in. And, and, and that's really cool to, to see that success. And our coaches, I think, do a great job of supporting each other. And the other night at the football game, there was a coaches gathering uh, at, at a house. And, I mean, coaches from all the different sports were over there and enjoying each other's company. And I, I love that about Wahoo because I think a lot of places you don't have that. you got, you know, you got jealousy or bitterness or coaches angry with each other. And I just think it's so important if you – you know, can be cohesive as a staff because the kids are going to pick up on that, you know, if you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about kind of the success across the board here and and, and the sharing of athletes. Uh, tell folks what you the, the display um, that you guys have right in front of your main gymnasium, which I think is a really, really cool idea uh, dealing with your former athletes that are just a couple of years out of, out of school. Uh, tell folks about that and kind of, where that originated from. Um, are you talking about the alumni board? The alumni board, yeah. I guess that's what you would call it, yeah. Yeah, I, boy, I'm not sure where we saw it at. I know GICC had one that, that I really liked, but we started this probably six or seven years ago, and it's just a, a board we had made. Uh, Sports Unlimited does it for us. We'll get the kids' picture, and we send it in, and they make a plaque with their – uh, university in the sport, and then we display it on this plaque as long as they're a college athlete. I, I think that's really cool for our kids to see, you know, what the alumni are doing, you know, who's playing what sport where, and uh, I think it's really cool to recognize those kids that went on and, and played somewhere. And, uh, so yeah, I agree. I think that's really a neat thing that, that we have in our in our lobby. And, and I think when the when the kids see that, when the coaches see that, I think it inspires. Uh, um, kind of a spirit of cooperation um, that helps emphasize that, hey, you know, it, it's not just about Wahoo baseball or Wahoo uh, volleyball or whatever the sport may be, regardless of gender, it's about Wahoo, you know. Yeah, hopefully it's kind of planting that seed that, well, maybe this is something I want to do. You know, I want to go give it a shot to go play college athletics somewhere and see how that works out. I, I, I think it's been a real plus for us. Um. Yeah, and and I thought you know the first time I saw that I was like, God, I wish I would have thought of that because that's a really good idea. So, um, one of the more famous things about Wahoo and its basketball program is the the Wahoops uh, program, and um, you know I, I I know you guys have have built on that. Uh, describe you don't have sustained success especially at a smaller school without great player development and great, uh, a great youth program. So let's talk about your youth program and describe to our listeners your youth program. And then uh, we'll, we're going to talk about your, your high school player development and some of the things that you guys do there. Yeah, without question, our, our youth program has been responsible for so much of our success over the years. And it was started, you know, I don't know, mid-1980s. I, I think it kind of propelled Wahoo. I think they got a jump on other people that maybe weren't doing those things at the time. I think now a lot of people are, but certain, certainly not all places are. But but I just think our Wahoo's program is, is really good, and I think the, the big key for us right now is being able to get really good coaches in there. Uh, your youth program is only going to be as good as the coaches you have coaching at your, your grade levels. And, and we have some really good ones. And a number of these guys were responsible for some of those glory days in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, guys like Mike Hancock and Mike Simons, and 
uh, Alex Shade and some of some of our Wahoo legends are now back coaching and giving back, and uh, that, that that's just been huge, you know. And we will try to give them some guidelines, you know, of, of what we want to do. But I'm but I'm not overly heavy handed in that area, just because I, I feel like these guys have so much knowledge, and I want to just let them let them go and, and, and you know coach the kids up and uh, just. Without question, it's been really good for us. It's just really important. I mean, if you're a young guy going into a new job, I think the first thing you do is just try to really get that youth program, you know, jacked up and rolling. Because, you know, if kids come to you in ninth grade without any skills, you have very, very little chance of being successful. How early do you start your Wahoops program? Well, really third grade is, is our first grade for, uh, for teams, you know, and going and playing. But we also run a first and second grade uh, clinic. I think this last year it was it was about eight weeks long, about an hour and a half a shot. Uh, again, had some alumni back running it. Uh, did a great job. You know, talk about your the best thing you can do is get these kids excited about basketball. You know, where they want to go home and play in the driveway and and uh, get rolling. But so so the team start in third grade and then we kind of ramp up. You know, and and you. Each year, you're going to play just a little bit more, maybe an extra tournament or, you know, a little higher level league or, you know, mm-hmm. try to try to make it really competitive as they as they go up, up to the grades. How many how many nights a week uh, do your kids practice um, with that uh, for how long, you know, approximately how long? And I know like your third grader is going to be different than your eighth graders, you know, but just again, I just, you know, uh, for our coaches and, and maybe our younger coaches that are going to build a program or looking to build a program, you know, just kind of fill them in on that. Yeah. You know, as a school that still just has two gyms available, it's not an ideal situation for us. Uh, teams are, are packed in every seems like every available minute trying to get a practice in and sometimes not very ideal times might be nine or nine thirty at, at night they're still going but, mm-hmm. but what we generally want to, is before the games kind of their preseason we hope to get two or three practices in a week uh usually to practice be about 90 minutes we really stress to our coaches that we want at least half that time to be skill development you know whatever skills they want to work on but you know, we don't want them spending, you know, most of the practice on, you know, 22 different set plays. We want, want to keep our offenses and defenses very basic. Uh, we try to give them some direction that we want a lot of motion principles offensively. Defensively, even though we run more one three one at the high school level, I, I love to have a lot of uh, man-to-man principles taught, uh, you know, throughout the Wahoops uh, levels. One, the one thing we don't want is, you know, standing in a 2-3 zone. We want them either aggressive out of our 1-3-1, one, one, you know, and, and running around trapping or, you know, playing hard uh, in your face man-to-man defense. And, and we've got coaches who have done a great job of, of that. Um, once the games and tournaments get started, uh, then it's probably going to be one to two times a week, depending on gym availability and how many, you know, high school games are going on. But uh, our coaches do a good job of really trying to get get those teams in there and get as, get them as developed as they can. How do you guys finance the program? Because I know that's always a touchy subject. Yeah, mostly just player fees. Um, we do have a, a, a girls Wahoops tournament uh, in November, and we have a boys tournament in March. So proceeds from that go into it as well. Uh, but pretty much. You know that is where it's funded through through the tournaments and through player fees. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and I'm assuming, you know, you're 
you you try to swing by and at least be seen at some of these practices from time to times and 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 letting the the kids and and the parents know that you know I'm not just you know sitting you know worried about my juniors and seniors but uh you know I got to I want to keep an eye on on all of this but also you don't want to stretch yourself too thin either yeah you know um coaches will occasionally ask me to come in and and visit with for a little bit with the kids which I always sure try to do um sometimes they'll practice after us I'll stay and watch a little bit mm-hmm. probably try to do more of getting to games uh especially mm-hmm. on some Sundays in the winter uh and again my situation is different you know my my, my youngest is a, a senior so it's not like I got little kids that need me at home I've got time to go do those things and and I enjoy them I enjoy watching our kids and Again, I, I enjoy going up and talking to those kids. Again, try, trying to start building those relationships at an early age, and I I just think it's important. And, and I think the kids, I think the parents enjoy seeing me there. I, I think they like knowing that their kid is important enough that I'm going to give up some time out of my out of my Sunday to, to go, you know, drive to Omaha or Lincoln and, and watch them. And and again, I, I think those things have been helpful. Mm-hmm. You spoke of it, so I have to ask. The the Wahoo one three one, you know it's it's like a, a rite of passage in Saunders County that you play one three one, boys girls doesn't doesn't matter. Um, I, I know I know it was like I said made famous um, with Mick Anderson's teams, and it's it's a it's a unique defense. Um, it's it's. Uh, you know, not ran a lot. It'd be like, uh, you know, people going back to the old Oklahoma wishbone today in, in, in football. Uh, why have you guys, other other than for obvious reasons, you know, it helps you win, uh, but what are some things about the one three one that that uh, has helped you guys be successful? Well, well to, to take you back a little bit more, I came from on that uh... Through my 11 years of coaching at Shickley and David City Aquinas, we never ran any one through one And I remember interviewing for the Wahoo job with Paul Eady, who's AD at the time, and that was one of my questions. I was only half-joking, but I said, do we have to run the one through one Yeah. And he, he looked at me, dead in the eye, dead serious, and said, no, you don't. But if you don't run it and you lose, you're going to hear about it. And I'm like, oh, boy. You know, so, that's that's funny that you say that, because like, uh, our, our, our episode number one was with uh, Kelly Flynn. Um, from South Sioux and after Kelly left you know I know that the the couple of people that followed him um, you could kind of see that there was pressure to do things the way that Kelly did it because it had worked so well for so long so that that is not an unrealistic question nor thought or expectation as you step into a, a situation like you have there with the, with the success that uh, that uh, the program had had with that particular style of defense, that unique style of defense. Yeah, no question. You know, and so I'm stepping in my first year too, Wahoo, and we had four returning starters off of uh, what were they, sixteen and five team, I and mean, we had, we had some pretty good kids coming back. So I stepped into a pretty good team, and I'm thinking, all right, we we got four, you know, returning senior starters. I'm just going to continue doing what they've done and then i will gradually transition to man-to-man that was my thought process uh-huh. really the 
the whole first year. But, so I jumped in and, and visited a lot with Coach Anderson, who was incredibly helpful, as, as was Coach Watt, and I was trying to pick both their brains and learn as much about the one three one as I could, talked with uh, Coach Killer Kane, who was a legend at Elkhorn Mount Michael, and he yeah. was always really good to me and uh, giving me some, some thoughts and tips on how they did it. So ran one through one pretty much all that, that first year and yep still thinking well I'm gonna you know I'll transition to man to man but at the end of the year I, I start looking at things like our defensive field goal percentage and our defensive average and thought we, we never had these numbers at Aquinas <laughs> running man to man all these years you know so it just kind of grew on me uh from there and uh you know I've just never gone away away from it it's it, it's been really good to us we try to do a good job teaching man-to-man and running some of it, some years to varying effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always, you know, something we have in the back pocket. But uh, I, I think you, you just get a little stubborn sometimes because the, the one through one has been so good to us over the years that we just has really never never gone away from it. And I, I think it's been kind of a staple for us, and people kind of know that's what we're going to do. And uh, Again, going back to a Killer Kane quote, he told me early on, he goes, Kevin, every coach has got to hang their hat on something. He goes, I see so many coaches trying a little bit of this and a little bit of that. He goes, you got to figure out what's your identity and stick with it. And that that, that has always kind of stuck with me. And that that one three one has kind of become a staple for us and something, something we have stuck with. I love that quote. That's that's and and that's a that's a great quote. Um what uh, what are two or three things that you guys do uh, to help teach the one three one? You know, I mean, the one three one is not rocket science, but but I think having a lot of our coaches run it as part of their youth program is good. I mean, the kids get to us as ninth grade, and we don't have to do a, a ton of teaching on it. A lot of them have ran it to varying degrees through the years, um, so there's not a ton of breakdown drills that we do necessarily per se just for the one three one i think a lot of your man-to-man defensive drills carry over mm-hmm. you know to your one three one so we'll do a lot of those in teaching you know both defenses um i, I think the big thing for us that we, we want to do out of our one three one is just be really really aggressive and, and there's there's multiple ways to run a one three one you know you might have three yep. coaches all tell you they run a one three one but it can look vastly different that that was um, going to be one of my questions here is is your ideal one three one setup if you could put it on a video game um, you know what would your alignment look like and and that type of thing because like you said there are different versions of it you know yeah you know you know some some teams will kind of they won't go after you they'll kind of let you into their gaps and then they'll try to smug you. Mm-hmm. For us, I just like being really aggressive, and I want my wings and, and point flying around, trying to trap. We're going to do that until you prove we can't do it, and then we'll make some adjustments out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just like being really aggressive and, and just trying to put pressure on people right from the start. And, uh, I, I just think convincing your kids to, to play hard, you know, play their guts out, and, and to fly around it is such an important piece of it. And, I think when you've had the success, obviously that's a lot easier to get your kids to do that and to buy into it because they have saw it work and, 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 and they know from watching those older kids that to play that hard, you, you know, that that's the only way that defense is going to work because if you're not, you know, we always talk about you got to outwork the other team. If we're not outworking them, it doesn't matter what defense we're going to play. You know, you get outworked, you're going to get beat. 
So it's just a mindset about the tenacity in which you have to play for that mm-hmm. to be effective. So if, if you have a if you have a typical team, you know, your five is your biggest kid, but they're your mm-hmm. slowest kid, and your your one is pretty quick, and your two and three are your longer wing, typical wing, so forth and so on. You know, how how do you want to line it up in your in your philosophy of it? If 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 you're if you're up one with twenty seconds to go, how are you gonna how are you gonna line this up here in the one three one? Well, that's going to depend on how the game has went and, and what, have, what have you done as the opposing team to hurt us to that point. Um, I would like to – I don't want to call them six or seven different one-three-one defenses, but we have six or seven different adjustments mm-hmm. that we will make depending on what you've done to beat us. You know, has your dribble penetration been hurting us? Has the skipping down been hurting us? You know, have you been, you know, screening different parts of our zone mm-hmm. uh, that have hurt us? So they're – you know, the game situation is, is going to dictate that to us. Uh-huh. Generally, at the end of the game, we're going to pull back our D. I mean, if, if you're going for one shot in the final 30 seconds, we're not going to be extended quite as far because we don't want to take a chance and giving up an open look. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to pull it back, and we're probably not going to be trapping the corners in that situation, even though we might have been trapping you the other 31 minutes, you know, just because, again, you don't want to – take that risk of giving up that open look in that situation. Is that all four corners in that situation? Or are you just talking like baseline or, or just any, you know? Yeah, would... in, in that situation, we probably wouldn't be trapping all four corners. Again, an adjustment for, for us could be just trapping down in the baseline corners, or mm-hmm. it could be trapping all four corners. Uh-huh. Um, it, it just depends. And, and if you're hurting us with the skip, you know, We'll rotate guys over a spot so that our point actually, you know, goes to that backside elbow to take away that skip. So we'd like to think, you know, obviously over the years we've had a lot of different things hurt us. Sure. And those things that have hurt us the most, we've tried to be able to make that adjustment that we can call out just with a number and the kids know then how we want to rotate or what we want to uh-huh. trap or how, how far we want to extend based on that number. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, as long as you guys have ran it and, you know, being there for 19 years, you, you do have the opportunity to say, yeah, we want to trap. But, you know, if we run 12, this is the zone of the of the court we want to trap at. But if we're running 13, it's totally something, you know, completely something different. And that just comes with Correct. that just comes with uh, building the program and building it the right way and, and getting your kids reps in it. You know, yep. Yep. Um, Very true. I, I know we're getting short on time here. Um but I just I got one more question here. Um, when you're setting up a practice, when you're setting up a practice, how's how's that typically going to look? Um, you know, it's uh, let's say early January. Um, it's not uh, the early season where you've got the the you know the two two and a half hour marathon sessions, but you're not at the end of February where it's an hour hour fifteen. You've got to you know you got three days till you play. Uh, Ashland Greenwood on a Friday night. What's your What's your Tuesday practice going to look like? You know, uh, we're going to have a lot of skill development fundamentals for us all the way through the years. Even if you know we were playing on March 9th, there's still going to be those things. We're still working on our form shooting. Uh, we're still working on our ball handling. Still working on our pivots, our checkouts. Um, so I guess you know we ask our law hoops teams to do that, and I would say we still do that as well at the high school level, at least probably half our practice is, is spent on skill development. I just 
think it's so important. I think the ability to shoot the ball is so important. We do a lot of shooting drills. We, we chart a lot of shots so that kids can see some numbers, you know, not just in games, but in practices, you know, and uh, gives them a little bit of a, okay, here's your license as far as how green that light is to shoot, so to speak, you know, and um, d- depending on the team uh, we're playing will probably depend on how much game prep we're we're going to have and not necessarily by how good they are, but more so by what they do, how diverse they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's been one of the advantages of the one, three, one over the years is there's not, you know, there's just not as many things you can do as there is versus man to man. Oh yeah. So, so we don't, we don't spend near as much time uh, doing scout team type work or running the other teams stuff as a lot of people probably do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's allowed us to do more, you know, skill development, which, you know, over the course of a year and over the course of a four year years, hopefully that, you know, pays off in, in, in better, better players with better fundamentals. I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. And, and part of the reason, you know, your, your kids um, have perfected um, in many ways, running, running the zone defense. Um, and that's your identity. Uh, but it's unique and how you do it and, and the slight adjustments that you make. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of time spent throughout the season by your opponents. You may be, you know, unless they play Newman, uh, that might be the only one, three ones that they see all season long. Whereas, you know, base man to man, well, you've got six, seven, eight man to man sets, and you've got four or five out of bounds plays that you're going to run against a man to man. Uh, you know, I, I had one, one three one offense, and if that didn't work, we were probably in trouble, you know. And and I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, most of the folks that you go against are a lot the same way, you know. Uh, don't you don't you think that works to your advantage? I, I think so. I, I hope so. Um, I would say in C one, there's a fair amount of teams that will run some one three one. Mm-hmm. So I don't think maybe we've caught people off guard as much. You know, over the years, we, we've always played five or six class B teams. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it's been a small advantage for us maybe playing them because I don't think in class B you have as many teams. You've got a couple, but 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 not a ton. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping maybe that can be a little bit of an advantage for us as we move to B. I've always thought it'd be fun to, to see somebody in class A really commit and really you know, go all in on one, three, one. I, I just, I would like to see how that would work, you know, at the class A level. And, you know, it, it was fun this last year, you know, you saw Nebraska and coach miles played a fair amount. Now they played it way, way differently than we do, but mm-hmm. um, it seems like even at the, you know, the, the power five conferences, you're seeing a fair amount of zone. You're seeing a fair amount of, of one, three, one out there, which is, it's kind of fun for me is just, you know, it's been something we've done for a long time and it's, it's kind of fun to see some other people doing it. Did Coach Miles call you down to help him teach it? <laughs> he did not know. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know. You, you need, like I said, we, we got to supplement that teacher income somehow, you know. So yeah, yeah. I thought maybe there was a kickback there. I didn't know, you know. That would have been nice, but unfortunately not. The, uh, yeah. No, I think I think uh, the part of the problem uh, with bigger schools embracing it um, is the player movement. And – you know, in our situation at Sky Catholic, uh, we we have feeder teams and and we have kids that we try to, to you know you know kids that you develop, uh, but 
on August 1st, they could decide to go to a different school and there's not a whole lot you can do about it, you know, and, and, and the, even within, you know, um, kid at the end of their freshman year, they go, Hey, you know what? Um, for whatever reason, I'm going to go to this school right down the road, uh, or across the city, you know, because of open enrollment and, and things like that. And I, I think the the intricacies of, of teaching the one three one or the perceived intricacies of teaching the one three one kind of has coaches shying away from it in the, in that vein. You know, um, do you think that might be part of the reason why? You know, I, I wouldn't doubt that a bit. I mean, it, you go on Twitter, and there's certainly the mindset of a lot of people. You know that man-to-man is the, the manly way to play the game and playing zone is soft and, you know, not how it should be played. So I think there's a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I hope as, as long as, you know, if we can continue to, to stay successful, you know, hopefully we don't lose any kids for, for that reason. But, but certainly, you know, the transfer game is, you know, it, it's going crazy at the college level and you, and you see it in the high school level and, Knock on wood, we, we haven't been affected at that point. I, I hope to hope the heck we can keep all the kids that we you know we spend all that time working on. But I, I think you're right. For, for some people, there is that mindset, and maybe some coaches uh, you know would shy away from that. Especially if you're just starting it at a program that maybe hadn't saw success. I think it's easier for people to go ah that's you know not what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you but if you haven't had success and you have time or you feel like you have time hey you know what we're not judging you on this year or this month we want to see this program at a certain place in five years and you're in a situation like Oahu or a smaller community uh, where you know hey our this is this sixth grade group this is the same sixth grade group we're probably going to have when they're juniors and seniors you know and and that's a great ideal situation in a lot of ways for a coach that wants to rebuild their program. And like you said, coach, to, to build their identity, it's a great thing to build your identity around. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think that's been one of the main things that's always kept me at maybe this, in this town, this size of school is I love being able to work with a fourth grade wall hoops team and know that I'm probably going to get to coach just about every one of those kids where, Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, in Lincoln and Omaha, it's a different animal, you know, kids come and go and change schools and you know i know i I hear lincoln you know they don't want you you know trying to get kids into your place from even from your feeder schools which you know that part i just i I wouldn't like that part of this much i I really like knowing who's coming up and uh i don't know for me that's just always made you know the c1 or b level feel like the right fit for us yeah yeah well you you got to be happy where you are and your family's got to be happy and and uh, I grew up in a town very similar to, to Wahoo in Iowa, uh, you know, so there's a lot of great things about growing up in a, in a small town like that. I think you guys are in a perfect situation. I mean, you're 20, 25 minutes away from West Omaha and, you know, but you still have the benefits of your kids can, you know, when your kids were younger, they could hop on their bike and, and drive across town and hang out with their buddies in 10 minutes, you know, that type of thing. And so there's, there's pluses and minuses to everything that you do, but, uh, uh, coach, I know you got to get running. Uh, we're both going to end up at the same place here in about an hour or so. <laughs> so, um, um, I'll take care of you, of you with some, uh, free food, 
uh, from DJ's dugout here in an hour or so. You can put it on my tab, I guess. So, <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Coach Kevin Sheaf from Wahoo Public High School in Wahoo, Nebraska. Uh, Coach, I hope you enjoyed it because I, I did. enjoyed it a lot. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Yeah, so uh, again, we want to thank COSAC uh, Chiropractic for their sponsorship of the podcast. Uh, if you are in need of chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300. Again, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Coach, are you a Twitter guy? I am a Twitter guy. I expect a follow here. Um, <laughs> don't do it while you're driving into Omaha, but once you get there, uh, give us a follow, all right? Uh, I will be following you soon. Awesome. Uh Listeners, download, rate, and review. If you have questions, if you have stuff that you want us to, to cover on the pod here, e- uh, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. My name is Marty Plum, and I am proud to bring you a pen and a napkin coaching podcast, your weekly coaching clinic in your pocket. Coach Sheaf, have a have a have a great evening. Uh, good luck in the in the upcoming season here, and we'll see you in about an hour, hour and a half or so. All right. Sounds great. Thank you, Mark. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Bye-bye.